0: All right, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Business of Fitness podcast. We have a very special guest today, and before we get into the guests, I want to just talk about the NC Fit Collective. If you're a gym owner, if you're a coach, check it out for some session plans and programming. Visit our website. Check us out. Link will be in bio. Now, let's talk about our guest today, Dave Durante, gymnastics extraordinaire, uh, you know, Got to go to the uh, Beijing, uh, 2008 Beijing Olympics as an alternate. Uh, multiple-time national champion, Stanford graduate, so you know he's smart. And you know, I saw him here at the Ultimate Hawaiian Trail, and I'm like, bro, I'd love to sit down and talk about Power Monkey and what you've learned over the years with business. And he was gracious enough to um, give us his time today. And uh, so, Dave, thank you very much for uh, for sitting down while you're here in this beautiful paradise.
1: Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me.
0: So what do you think, man? I was thinking a 20-minute AMRAP on Dave Durante, gymnastics a little bit, how you got into it, and most importantly, uh, on the business side of fitness, Power Monkey, what it is, how it works, and how it's grown and what you've learned kind of in the process.
1: Absolutely, yeah. I'm happy to go through all those things. I think the Power Monkey thing is something that um, kind of grew uh, without us even kind of expecting where it was going to go. And so, I mean, I think that story is kind of interesting. I'd love to kind of go through it.
0: Let's do it. So we're starting this AMRAP for 20 minutes in three, two, one, and we go. So Dave, we were talking earlier. Uh, we had met a long time ago. You're obviously a subject material expert. There's no question. So you went to Stanford. You went there for gymnastics. I assume in high school, you dominated on the in gymnastics.
1: Yeah, I was a pretty high level uh, club gymnast growing up in high school, and I was fortunate enough to get Uh, recruited by a bunch of the top universities and Stanford had always been my dream school when I found it, found out I got in. That was the only really school I considered. Why Stanford? Um, I visited Stanford when I was uh, thirteen years old. We had a competition out that way, and I fell in love with the campus. The team at the time was the top team in the country. They had some of the best gymnasts of all time go through there. Jair Lynch, who was kind of my idol, who was two-time Olympian, Olympic silver medalist from '96, and so it was just a place that I saw greatness coming out of, and I wanted to follow in some of my idol's footsteps. So it kind of felt like a natural fit for me.
0: I love it, man. So you go to Stanford. You end up getting a degree in sports medicine?
1: Uh, I was in human biology, so, which is the, and then my area of concentration was sports medicine.
0: Okay. Yep. Okay. Very cool. And so you, you finish your degree, then you go to the Olympic Training Center?
1: Right. After I graduated, I kind of uh, had a decision to make. Do I want to finish up with my gymnastics career? Because at the time, I was a pretty good collegiate level gymnast, but I wasn't on national team yet. Or do I take a chance to try to make a run at 2004, the Athens Games, and then beyond? And I decided I still had a little bit left in the tank as an athlete. And uh, I trained two years uh, from 02 to 04 with my college coaches at Stanford. And I was a volunteer assistant coach at the time. Just missed out on the team in Athens. And then from there, I decided I want to go full in and try to make 08. So I moved to Colorado Springs and lived at the Olympic Training Center for four and a half years.
0: So, okay, you graduate from college. You have a degree from a very prestigious university. Obviously, I'm partial because I'm from the Bay Area. But, you know, I mean, Stanford is world recognized as one of the top schools in, in the world. And so you graduate from there. And I'm sure it was kind of tough to make these decisions because when I think about an Olympic athlete, like take, for example, Michael Phelps. To go to, what, four or five Olympics, I mean, that means he's been in the game for a long time. So for you, you graduate. What made you kind of like what what was what made you stay focused for so long? knowing that it was so many years away.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, you're, you're right about not knowing what's next. I mean, I think a lot of times what you end up seeing, especially with athletes at a very high level, is that when their career is over, it goes from the absolute pinnacle of what you do to nothing. And it's a really difficult transition for a lot of athletes to figure out, well, how do I define myself now that this thing that completely consumed me for my entire life no longer exists? Yeah, And I'm sure you know CrossFitters are recognizing the same thing when their careers are over. Uh, but as an Olympic athlete, it's very recognizable. And I had a position with the Olympic committee for almost 10 years where we were very, working very hard to try to figure out paths for these athletes while they were still training to make sure that they had things lined up for when their careers were over. Okay. And I was in the same boat and I was saying, okay, you know, I have this degree from Stanford, you know, I have some potential options when I'm done, but I still want to train. And I knew that if I didn't pursue that route, that I would live with regret for the rest of my life and say, what if? And so I said, you know what, I'm going to move to Olympic training center. I had that option available to me to be able to just train as a full time athlete. The USOC does a great job of just taking care of you and giving you the opportunity to not have to worry about anything other than just training. Food is provided, housing provided, you wake up every day, you just walk from here 20 feet down to the gym, best coaches in the world and you just train. And so I thought if it was going to happen, it was going to happen now. So that I was, when I was done with my career, I could say, you know what? I you left it all that. out there. There's nothing left.
0: Well, so speaking of that, I mean, I feel the same way over the years of competing in CrossFit. When you look back, you gotta, the only thing you could say to yourself is at that time, during those things, I did the best I could to put myself in the best position to win or, you know, hit the goals that I was looking for. Right. So on that note, you go to Olympic training center, and you're pushing yourself hard. I can only imagine what that's like, you know, eat, sleep, breathe gymnastics. Uh, and so how did you end up being an alternate? And what did that make you feel like? Because
1: <laughs> I mean, This is, this is a whole of, podcast by itself. <laughs> yeah, Not to dive
0: in too deep, but I can only imagine that for you. And, and I'm sure this plays over into your business, which is one of the reasons why I'm getting into it is that overcoming adversity and, you know, you know, setting yourself goals and then potentially, I don't want to say not achieving them because that's not fair, but Maybe coming up a little short and how you overcame that is maybe a better way. Of yeah,
1: saying it. and um, I think you 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 nailed it when you said that. Put being put in that situation definitely leads to how you treat other situations later down the road, and I mean being an alternate is not what athletes train for, right? We train to, <laughs> yeah. to compete on the on, to be the, on the that the floor. stage, and my alternate situation was even more unique than anyone else's alternate situation. We had, uh, two of our, uh, Olympic team members, the Paul, Paul Hom and Morgan Ham, the Ham brothers who had been in the third Olympic games in 08. Uh, they both dropped out for injury reasons and we had three alternates. So a couple weeks before we left for Beijing, um, uh, Paul pulled out and one of our three alternates went in, uh, and how do, they de- how do they determine that? So that was determined by a uh, selection committee. It's a group of guys that uh, are part of the USA oh, Gymnastics Organization. I can and they select.
0: there's some politics involved in that.
1: It's, it's part of the deal. And I was actually on the selection committee for the past couple of Olympics as well. So I went from being an athlete in a situation to being one of that, the selectors. So I know how both end of it, it works. So it's not an enviable position. I know those guys do everything they can to kind of use previous competitions and use all the um, experience and use a lot of different kind of factors to play into who's going to allow for the best team to be put out onto the floor. Then the day before we competed at the Olympics, uh, the second brother Morgan pulled out for another injury and there were two of us and we had to perform a few routines in the Chinese Olympic training center the day before opening ceremonies. And um, they decided to go with the other alternate, uh, not myself. And so it was an extreme roller coaster, it was like complete highs, complete lows, back and forth. and. All I could say is that the mentality that we had as a team was that no matter what happens, the team comes first. And I learned that in college. I learned that uh, when I was a club gymnast. And I didn't want to do anything personally to take away from the ability of that team to compete at a very high level. Right. So while internally I was
0: Bro- devastated, yeah, right, right, right,
1: I knew that my mindset needed to be on allowing these guys to perform as best they possibly could. And that was 10 years ago. Uh, We had our 10-year Beijing reunion two weeks ago, uh, three weeks ago in Boston. Uh, They brought us all back. It was the first time we had been together in 10 years. And it was incredible to see those guys. It was like we had been together uh, all these years. And I really feel like my contribution to the team was I don't want to say as important, but very, very important to the way that we performed. And, th- and one of the main reasons, because nobody believed in that team performing well. Uh, in 2006, we, we placed 13th at World Championships and only 12 teams go to the Olympic Games. So most, te- most people thought we were a no-name team. We weren't even going to make it to the Olympic Games. 2007, we took fourth, had a huge jump. And then in Beijing, we took third, we got the bronze medal. Really? And it was an extraordinary leap the biggest uh, I think the U S has ever had in a two year span. And it was a bunch of guys that had never been to the Olympics before. There was no previous Olympians on that team. And it was a completely new group of guys that completely were there for each other. And while I wasn't on the floor, uh, during that, that competition, I was up in the stands cheering as loudly as you can possibly imagine. And we became so close because of that experience and because of the way that it ended up that, you know, um, I feel like I became, the person that I am through that experience.
0: Well, Yes. I mean, talk about that. So you, you finish at the games. Obviously mm-hmm. that was a very, I, I can only imagine. I mean, the day before you're about to compete, you're in Beijing and you had to go up against another guy. Yep. And it's like, this is like your buddy Yep. and you're tr- totally get it. But at the end of the day, you're trying to put out the best team possible to ultimately win.
1: Absolutely. And
0: I think that goes into business a lot too, because you know, sometimes you get emotional because maybe one of your coaches you really like them as a person. Maybe you like these people as a person, but ultimately, our job as a business is to put the best team on the floor to because inevitably that's going to be the success for the entire group, right? Without a doubt. And so you graduate, you you finish in 08, and then you you basically let's just call it stumble upon CrossFit with the with a mutual friend, and and you get into the CrossFit scene. And I imagine at the time. You know, it's funny how CrossFit works because, you know, like a muscle-up is a big accomplishment in CrossFit, and it is a big accomplishment for anybody. But in gymnastics, it's just the way you get up onto the rings. Yep. And so it's so interesting because, like, if you look at, like, a, a ring um, uh, event, mm-hmm. you're not even scored on a muscle-up. Right. right. It has
1: no value. It has no value. And and I tell people this when I'm teaching seminars and I tell them that it's more about perspective than demoralization. I don't want yeah. them to feel demoralized by the skill that I'm working on is like my yeah. holy grail has no value in the sport of gymnastics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's all about a process. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Like look where you can potentially go if that muscle becomes something easy th- for you. Th-
0: that's right. That's right. And so you 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 find out CrossFit and you, you get into coaching and so so fast forward just a little bit. So you're you're in the Beijing Olympus, um and how'd you get into coaching CrossFit, how'd you get into creating the power monkey?
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, how did that all happen? So after Beijing, I moved back to Stanford and yep. I coached a team. Uh, I was assistant coach. We won a national championship in 2009. And that was a big accomplishment for me. And I was really excited about being able to contribute because when I was on the team, we weren't, we weren't a podium team, but to be able to get a, a national championship ring was a big deal. And so from there, I got back into coaching and um, I really felt like it was an avenue for me. I ended up liking it a lot more than I thought I was going to when I was an athlete because when I was an athlete, I just wanted to train. I just wanted to train. I don't want to think about, you know, helping coach other people. I just wanted to do what I was trying to do. And so uh, the, the year at Stanford after I graduated and after retired uh, kind of helped me figure out that this path of coaching, helping others was something that I really loved to do. And fast forward into uh, 2010, I met my partner with Power Monkey, and he was a gymnast uh, at the collegiate level as well, and is a stuntman in, in New York. And so he's been performing and things like that for many years. And uh, he had hired me to perform actually in the Victoria's Secret show in what? 2010. What would
0: yeah. you do in the Victoria's Secret show? Gymnastics.
1: <laughs> no way. <laughs> yeah, so- Did you like
0: flip down the runway? I did. No. I did,
1: yeah, with the model. So me and one other guy, one of the other Hom brothers that pulled out of the Olympics, me and him were doing- tumbling down the runway. But if you look back at the 2010 Olympi- uh, Victoria's Secret show, I'm up on stage performing with the models. Dude, so. That's, okay, so yeah, yeah. random fact about Dave
0: <laughs> here. And so you, you're you you're flipping with the models, yep. you're meeting a new partner. Now, where did the name... Now, were you doing other seminars before you started coming out with this Power Monkey idea?
1: We were doing kind of um, little seminars here and there. The gym that I was kind of training at, I would do some handstand and muscle up whatever seminars kind of people were interested in doing at the time. Uh, Power Monkey was actually an existing company and they were based out in Florida and they were an equipment company and they were making rigs and they were making some other equipment for kind of the uh, that area, Florida and Georgia and, and that area down in the south. And we had the idea for our ring thing, which is our ring uh, training device. And me and Shane had used an apparatus like that in gymnastics world we call a dream and machine. And
0: that is a, an assisted tool to perform you know,
1: ring ring strength moves. Yep. Yep. It's a fifty fifty device. It works through a pulley system and a harness. So when you clip yourself in, you pull down on the rings, and yep. lifts your body up. Yep. And we wanted to make one that and was- And if someone
0: uh, wanted to find that, where would they find that? Just
1: at? powermonkeyfitness.com. We have everything up there on our website where we can purchase them at. Yep. Okay. And it's a it's a really great tool that we've used in the gymnastics world forever, but we wanted to make one that was uh, really well-made because normally we just go to a hardware store, pick up a bunch of crap and put it together. And we wanted to make one that was really well done. So we shopped it around to a bunch of different equipment manufacturers and Power Monkey picked it up. And so we worked with this husband and wife couple based out of there and we started selling them and they were doing pretty well and um, kind of grew from there. They ended up bringing us on as partners. And after a couple of years, we wanted to, to direct the company into a completely different route. And so we bought them out and we turned PowerMonkey into what it is today, essentially.
0: Okay. So you're at the Beijing Olympics, you, you finish up the Olympics, and then how are you generating income? before you created this device
1: so when i went back to stanford i was assistant coach for a year so that was one year i only once signed one year contract and that was it and then i moved to europe so i have dual citizenship with italy and most of my family lives in rome so i moved to italy for a year yeah and uh actually this is where i got really into the next level of coaching i was planning on actually getting into the wine industry that was yeah yeah i really wanted to get into wine. That was kind of my other passion. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, I moved out there with hopes of, I had an internship at a winery yeah. uh, up in Tuscany set up. And then I <laughs> went, I just got back from Tuscany. Did you? Yeah. 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 And I uh, went skiing. I had been visiting a bunch of my gymnastics friends in all these different countries. And I went to Innsbruck, Austria to go ski for the first time. And I had always been kind of a little bit cautious with my knees because I'd blown out my knees two times, one on each leg in gymnastics. And I didn't want to mess with them while I was training. So I was like, okay, I'm done with gymnastics. I'm going to go test this out. I'd love to go skiing. Took me to where they had Winter Olympic Games. Went up to the top of the slope, and I'd never been on skis before. And I went down, and within the first 50 feet, I fell and blew out my knee. No. Yeah, like from not even 50 feet. I no. fell the top of the slope. I had to walk back up the mountain to take the, the, the chairlift down. Take the chairlift back down, yeah. So unfortunately, <laughs> that was my first and That's last. That's not funny, bro. No. <laughs> well, it's funny now. It's funny now. But um, I ended up having, I missed the internship op- opportunity because I had surgery in Rome. And I ended up doing rehab uh, in Rome. And some of my rehab was actually in this gymnastics facility at this little club gym. And I started coaching little kids gymnastics in Rome. And I did that for the rest of my time that I was out there. And from there, it kind of snowballed into something bigger and bigger and bigger as I kind of had found CrossFit. So, um, so are you
0: speaking Italian at this time?
1: Yeah, I speak fairly well. I speak well yeah. enough to kind of get by. And So
0: I'm going to ask you about the wine thing real quick because we have a lot of gym owners, a lot of people out there who are passionate about things. Like I like wine. Yeah. I like coffee. I like banana bread. There's a lot of things I like, but it doesn't mean I should go open up a business. It doesn't mean I should start it. Like, do you find that looking back on this and now where you're at and I want to get into power monkey as it sits, but do you find that if you had opened up some type of wine business, you're almost doomed from the start? I think so. Maybe you didn't have enough background in it. Like, cause I'm sitting here looking at a dude where if you're teaching me gymnastics, I'm like, all right, this guy has been doing this his entire life. Stanford grad, national champion, Olympic, you know, at the Olympics, like you're pretty legit. But like, if you were to say to me, Hey man, I'm a wine connoisseur. Right. Like, All right. Well, where's your, you know,
1: absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And it was basically me one trying to get away from the sport yeah. because I had done it for 20 years at yeah. the time and I was ready for something else. Yeah. And I think it was just a, a fortuitous kind of diversion to be able to pull me back into where I was meant to be. And now I feel super lucky. I still enjoy wine very, very much and all that stuff. But I think I'm where I'm meant to be. I think I'm making the most impact with what I have available to me in terms of a coach, in terms of where my knowledge is. And I feel like my main goal, and I think with Power Monkey as well, uh, with my partner, Shane Garrity, who's the other uh, half of Power Monkey, our goal is to bring good technique. Our our motto is technique matters. Technique matters more than than the numbers that you're doing or anything like that. So what we want to do is bring good technique with gymnastics and with with all of these other uh, coaches that we have on our staff uh, to people who didn't grow up with the sports. And most of the time when you're done with gymnastics, you would go into coaching, you're going to coach little kids and you're going to coach from a club level. We're tackling it from a completely different route. We're tackling it from the route of trying to impact the, the adults, the parents, so that they can say, okay, I now understand how cool of sport gymnastics is or how amazing it can be in terms of transferring to other sports that maybe my kids want to do. And the two comments that I get the most that are kind of uh, endearing to me in terms of us showing that we have some potential in terms of growth and making gymnastics a bigger sport is I wish my p- parents would have put me in gymnastics when I was a kid. And I can't wait to put my kids in gymnastics when they get a little bit older. Yeah. And that tells me that we have hope, you know, because our sport is dying a little bit. Gymnastics is, is well, kind of I mean, dying.
0: I mean, my son loves it. It's great for body awareness, so many different things. So Fast forwarding again, I mean I think you learned a lot getting into the business. Yep. So you have a partner now, but you bought out your previous partners. Yep. Did they just not align with the vision? And then when you bought them out, was there a discrepancy on how much the business was worth? Is there anything from that experience you think you Yeah, kinda...
1: I think I think there was. There definitely was. Uh, I think you probably always go through that, you know. Uh... did you guys have a partnership
0: agreement set we up did. pretty we formal? Did. Yep. And so I mean, do you feel like that saved your butt when you guys were getting out? Kind of it kinda clear guidelines on when you were looking to sell it or whatever. It definitely
1: played a big role in terms of, you know, having guidelines set up and things like that. Um, in all honesty, me and my partner, him a little bit more than me, he had another business prior to Power PowerMonkey. Um, but, you know, I didn't come from a business background and I kind of feel like I'm getting an MBA on the fly as I'm going yeah, through yeah, this. Yeah, of course. And so, um, uh, you know, there's a lot of pieces to this business world that I have to learn and the number of roles that I have to take on as a company is starting from its kind of basic level that, you know, you don't, have in your back pocket when you're coming from an athletic background. So with the contract stuff, you know, I was uh, relying on him. I was relying on the trust that we had as a group of four to to kind of see to make it a mutually beneficial breakup. It's never going to be completely amicable. You know, there's always going to be some hard feelings, especially when, you know, they had been uh, the initial founders founders of the company and things like that. But we really felt like Power Monkey had some real growth potential in the direction that we wanted to take it. And they had some different ideas and they had a separate company that they were working on. So we really felt like this was the optimal direction for us to be able to go if we wanted to bring Power Monkey to the next level.
0: So I want to get into Power Monkey. But before that, if you could summarize, you know, one thing that you think you could have done better with a group of four, cutting down to two, coming from a fitness background, not necessarily a business background, right? Obviously you're intelligent, but you didn't have that business acronym. What's one thing that someone who's in this exact same position could do? Did you seek somebody out? Did you Google stuff? What did you do to put you Uh, in a better position when you're looking to do this? Yeah.
1: I, I think what I probably would have done is, um, look to seek help earlier on, and I, I've always been kind of a mentality of trying to do it all on my own. I really, even as an athlete, I'm always like, just put the burden on my back and I'm going to do it my, on, my, on my own. And um, I think sometimes sometimes that works and sometimes it can be a really big failure on your part, especially if you know, you're not capable enough in terms of where uh, you have to see where your deficiencies are as a person to be able to recognize that. And I think early on, I think I've had a lot of friends from Stanford who have gone on to the business world that have had great success. And I think I would have, and I'm doing it more now, but I would have um, seek their help a little bit earlier on to be able to say, as we're navigating these early waters of uh, becoming a new company, what are some things that are important? Is, Is it keys to bring in, I'm recognizing how important it is now, people who are amazing, in certain areas where you're not right? right, and I, you know, you hear people talk about this all the time of just surrounding yourself with very capable and confident people who are excellent in their own specific fields, and not trying to do something you're not good at. And it's really recognizing when,
0: that when when you're just starting out, there's a lot of gym owners who try and do everything because they don't they don't want to pay anybody. Mm-hmm. Well, they don't realize that if you don't you can't do everything great, and you need to slowly over time find people who could you know do certain things. Like I, I imagine with Power Monkey. Now, Power Monkey, correct me if I'm wrong, is. A biannual camp, located in Tennessee, mm-hmm. that brings give or take fifty to sixty participants.
1: Right? We max out at hundred participants. Hundred participants. Yep,
0: with maybe
1: fifteen coaches. It's about thirty.
0: Thirty coaches that are subject material experts in different areas, yep. from gymnastics to weightlifting to running.
1: To running, to jump rope, to um, rowing, to kettlebell, tons of different areas.
0: Tons of different areas. Yep. And these people come for a week?
1: Full week, Sunday, and, and Saturday.
0: And it's basically like summer camp
1: for it's adults. Adult fitness camp, exactly right.
0: And, you know, meals are included, everything. It's just like a one-shop shop and you're basically at a, a campus.
1: 150-acre campus, 32-acre lake. It's used as a kids' gymnastics camp in the summers. The two owners were Olympic gymnasts. They're very good friends of mine. I teach the kids in the summers at the camp. And they don't use it in the fall or spring for many other events. And we thought this would be an optimal opportunity to be, be able to bring in some great minds to be able to teach good content. And so uh, the idea was kind of started to, to gain some traction years ago. And uh, we've got it to the point now where it's it's a really, in my mind, a really unique experience for people who are in the fitness industry.
0: And so what can someone expect who goes to Power Monkey Camp? what, what is Give me a week-like overview.
1: Okay, so... Um, Like I said, there's about 150 people total with our coaches, with our participants, and then our staff, our kitchen staff, and um, other, you know, moving parts that kind of help out with the facility. And uh, we put you into a group, um, 10 to 12 people maximum per group, and you rotate within that group throughout 10 different stations, two-hour stations throughout the week. So you'll do three three two-hour stations on Monday, three two-hour stations on Tuesday, and then it'll slowly kind of. Uh, work its way throughout the entire week. Now, intermixed within those groups, we have yoga in the mornings, we have open gym time in the middle of the day and at night. We have seminars every single night. So we do nutrition seminars, we do programming seminars, we do uh, mental training seminars, we do VO2 max and impedance testing, we do slow motion video analysis, we do, um, basically, we do um, injury rehab seminars. Every aspect of becoming a complete athlete, coach, owner, we take care of. And we do it all in one week setting.
0: And you guys, be focusing on movement
1: the the main focus in the in the group sessions are technique like we talked about earlier our motto within power monkey is technique matters so we really try to impress upon these participants the importance of starting from foundational understanding of the movement so we always get the question of you know we'll put up some of our high-level athletes that have come through over the years and people will be intimidated and say you know That's not for me, you know, Power Monkey Camp is not for me because I see Katrin there or I see, you know, um, these big name games athletes that are training there. It's not for me as a beginner level athlete, they are there as guests. They are not there um, in terms of how we create our content. It's not meant for that level athlete. Right, right. It's meant for the beginner and intermediate level athlete. And they jump in. They will learn something considering they don't come from these backgrounds. right? They will definitely get something out of it. And it's really meant for someone who wants to learn from a foundational level. So we really try to cater it to someone who's just from a foundational standpoint.
0: So you started this how many years
1: ago? So we have our 10th one coming up in two so weeks. So five years ago. This is five years ago, yep.
0: And this is like... So for you, twice a year, you put on these big events. Yep. Outside of that, what else is going on with Power
1: Monkey? Yeah, so Power Monkey is kind of a three-prong approach. We have our event side, we have our equipment, and we have our um, education. We call it education, but it's our online programming. So our events encom- are encompassed with our camp, our biannual uh, yep. fall and spring camp. But along with that, we also do weekend clinics. And we do about 40 of those a year. And okay. we go all over the world and we have these same-, same coaches that we pick and choose and gyms will reach out to us. And we'll do gymnastics, weightlifting, injury rehab, seminars all around the world. So we do about 40 weekends out of the year we're doing seminars.
0: And then, so you have these seminars going on. You have online digital you know, programming. You have the biannual events. You know, I think you're, you're reaching a large audience and you have a partner. Mm-hmm. What's one major takeaway that you felt like over the years, last five years, your business has gone from X amount to, to Y amount? You've seen growth. You've had a lot of participation. Um, what's like a, a big learning curve that you've seen over the last five years?
1: Well, one is that we tried to do everything in house and financially in house. We didn't take on any investment. So uh, me and my partner thought that you know if we could grow this organically ourselves, yeah, self Yeah, we tried to do it ourselves this way, and we've been able to do it. It's just been a very slow process. Been very much chipping away at it. Uh, we've had to kind of go through some really gro- um Big growing pains as we've um, tried to make bigger jumps with just our own self-funded uh, pocketbooks, and it's been challenging. I think one of the things that we we're trying to do moving, moving forward is we see the potential to really take this to some really bigger areas and uh, we want to be able to do it faster because things move so quickly within the fitness industry that we don't want to miss out on opportunities and things like that. So, we're looking to um, Move forward a little bit more with bigger projects by potentially bringing in some investments.
0: I think um, we had a gentleman Raz, who's co-founder of Flow Water. This is a hydration device, and he brought up a really good point on this show a couple couple weeks ago. And what he said was, you know, if you have a brilliant idea and you need to get to market quick, you need to take on some outside capital. But if you have an idea where it's going to be there for a long time, but you just need to put in the work, you can keep doing like what you're doing. Mm-hmm. But I think that brings you know it brings forth this. The ultimate question, right? What are you going to give up for that for that equity or right. for that money? And I think there's so many different ways you could take on outside investments. One thing that he also said that was really intriguing, because for us at NorCal, it is self-funded. But I'm always curious if you brought in outside money, those people have a vested interest in supporting you. So if you brought on people who are really intelligent in specific areas. It's like a board of directors that actually really cares. Mm-hmm. Like, so now it's not just you and your partner's minds, but it's a group of four five, six people who all have a vested interest in your success. And if you find the right people with the right attributes, it could take you from where you're at to a whole different level.
1: Right. And, and I think that's the key. Finding not only people who are capable and competent and have the financial backing to be able to do it, but I think they really need to understand what we do as a company. And they need to be in the fitness industry. In my mind, they need to understand what our goals are as a company within PowerMonkey to be able to understand what what we really foresee. Care about. Yeah. yeah, and we don't we don't want people just to be able to say, "Here's some money. Let me see return." Yeah, uh, you know, we want people who really care about the growth, who care about the company, who care about the people that we work with, and that's why you know we've been a little bit hesitant because we want to make sure the partnership is correct.
0: I completely get it. Well, Dave. Um- we went over our 20 minute AM because I could talk to you forever. But, uh, if people want more information about power monkey, want more information about you, mm-hmm. where can they find you? Where can they find power monkey?
1: So, PowerMonkeyFitness.com is our website. Uh, if you want more information on camp itself, just PowerMonkeyCamp.com. And it'll kind of give all the details on what the week is all about. Like I said, the next one is going to be the first week of October, September 30th, October 6th. There are some spots still available if you want to sign up. Uh, our next one will be uh, the second week of May, May 5th through the 11th. And that will be our 11th one. Uh, or you can find us uh, on our app. Uh, we have an app which basically is a lot of our video content and our training programs. It's called Monkey Method. It's on iOS as well as Android, so you can find us on there.
0: Beautiful. All right. Well, thank you very much. And uh, all right, guys. uh, Talk to you guys soon.